you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, what do you think? Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're at the right place. Either way, if you love your work, hang on, we're going to have fun talking about how that can be possible for everyone. If you don't love your work, stay with us. We're going to talk about how you can move into that position. Yes, in this economy. Yes, in a recession. Yes, right before an election. It doesn't matter. You know, those things that are happening far away from us like that are economic and political terms that how does that affect us daily? Your success, trust me, your success is not dependent on what happens in the White House, but on what happens in your house. As soon as we recognize that, it opens up a whole world of possibilities. We're going to talk about those. Yes, I am Dan Miller, host of 48 Days Online Radio. We're going to be talking about your questions You submit real-life questions so we can all go to higher levels of success, meaning and fulfillment, and profitability in the work that we do. Here's some of the things we'll be covering today. Dan, I've been told that my job comes before even my family. Dan, I'd like to respond to my fellow atheist who could not buy your book because it asked him to make a promise to God. Dan, this week I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and social anxiety disorder. Now, we're going to get to that one, and we're going to park on that for a little bit, because that is something I am hearing more and more and more. Dan, I'm diagnosed with ADD. Dan, I've got ADHD. Dan, I've got social anxiety disorder. I mean, that's a pretty new term, social anxiety disorder. Bipolar disorder, of course, has been around a while. We're going to talk about those. I'm going to share some personal things there, and we're going to talk about how you may be one of the elite to be in that category rather than one of the uh, unfortunate ones, as we commonly think. Dan would like to generate some passive income by starting a van pool business. Hey, could you tell us more about your desk chair? I talk sometimes about the things that are uncompromising in my work situation, one of those being the chair that I sit in. If I'm going to sit in a chair for eight hours a day to do good work, it's not going to be some $30 Office Depot reject. Well, I'll tell you about that. Dan, my dreams would be to travel the country taking photos of exotic cars. Is that possible? Those are some of the things we'll be discussing in the next few minutes here. Stay with us. Here's a quotation. Actually, I've got two quotations I'm going to give you, and I'm going to make you wait until you understand why I've got those in the show today. I've already kind of alluded to it, but here's the two quotations. One comes from Bruce Feierstein, who says, the distance between insanity and genius is measured only by success. I'm going to tell you about some people whose names you'd recognize, who we aren't sure which side of the line they're on there, insanity or genius, and yet they're accomplishing some pretty amazing things. Aristotle said... No great mind has ever existed without a touch of madness. Well, what do you think? No great mind has ever existed without a touch of madness. Now, I'm going to start off today, as we have been for the last couple weeks, with some testimonials from people who just write in or call in and let us know what's happening. 
since they've gotten introduced to some material that will help them believe in the possibilities of enjoying their work. So I'm going to start off with a few of those. Incidentally, if you've got a testimonial to leave or comment to leave for us, just go to 48days.com. Click on the podcast link. You'll see a new little button floating over there on the right-hand side that says Ask Dan a Question. Just click on that. You can record right from your computer. You don't have to pick up the phone or do any fancy dialing. Just records right there. One of those new cool features. We've got a widget from SpeakPipe. But anyway, we've got that up there to make it real easy for you to ask questions if you want to do that in an audio format rather than typing it out. Either way is fine. You know, I get a lot of audio questions that usually, to be honest with you, I usually just paraphrase it and re- report it to you in my words rather than theirs because I'm, I want to get so much in, I'm too impatient to listen to somebody's two-minute question. I usually just paraphrase it in 10 seconds and we go on from there. But anyway, I'd be happy to hear from you either way. Well, Mary Sue says, she says, Dan, I'm 70 years old. You are helping me. Your stuff has changed my life and husband's life. We have applied for a tractor distributorship and rented a place for a year to get started in a new business. Thank you, Dan Meller. We love you. (laughs) Well, thanks for your note, Mary Sue. I, I never get tired of getting notes like that. 70 years old, they're opening their own business with a tractor distributorship. What a cool thing. This comes from Steve. Dan, thanks. It took me longer than the 48 days. I purchased the book to receive it right after it was published with the bonus CD. I'm sure you remember me from a couple months ago. I wrote you about making 28,000 and I took a temp job making 38,000. Well, here's the rest of the story. On July 23rd, I accepted the position of software technical support analyst. My new income is $45,000. Plus I get a yearly bonus of 10% of my income. Even though it did take me more than 48 days, it did inspire me to do something I love, which is computers. I was really bogged down in my position at a call center. No one was looking out for me. I've also recently learned that the safe, secure job I thought I had there will be moving to India in the next couple of years. Thanks for your radio show, your books, podcast. My wife is thrilled about my new income and job just in time for a little one in November. How cool is that? It's easier getting up in the morning, going to work when you do something you love to do. Well, I guess so. Thanks, Steve, for that note. Here's another one. Uh, Dan, I was walking through Costco in January when I saw the 48 Days book and CDs. Even though I was employed in a large dental group and had a high-ranking position with my employer, I bought the CDs on the spur of the moment because I was actually thinking about changing jobs this summer. But on February 5th, I was fired unexpectedly after 14 years of reliable service. Suddenly finding myself without a job, I immediately went home, calmed down, opened up the 48 days package, went for a three-mile walk while listening to the CDs. I put everything in action. And within 48 days, I had two jobs. But more importantly, the job loss actually allowed me the time to help get a new product off the ground that I had co-invented. I also wrote a book because you said that a professional should have a book instantly. I'm almost finished with the final touches on the book. I'm hoping to get the book out in uh, this next month. But the fact that I'm working again has slowed down my writing a little bit. I almost wish I were unemployed again so I could have more time. Uh, Now I've accomplished my goals. Continue listening to your programs, radio show, downloads for inspiration. During hard times, your uplifting attitude and ability to see opportunities has helped a lot. Thanks. You know, this morning, I show up early in the morning on Wednesdays at um, Dave Ramsey's 
office where Dave and I have a little group of guys that's been meeting together for about 12 years now. And one of Dave's audio guys was there early. And he said, why is it that every time I see you, you have a big smile on your face? He said, it's really pretty annoying. <laughs> and I, I laughed. I said, man, I, I love the mornings. You know, when I come in here, it's the first of the day. But I said, really, no matter what part of the day we're in, I said, I'm likely to have a smile on my face. He says, well, I don't know how you do it, but I sure know that when I see you, I'm going to see that smile. Well, a couple hours later, when I came out of the meeting, he happened to be standing in the, the foyer there, just checking on some things. And he says, you know what? He said, it really kind of boosts my day, just knowing that I am going to see your smile every time you come around. But anyway, that's just part of who I am. Well, you know, it's like the chicken and the egg, which comes first. I mean, I used to have kids show up for psychology 101 when I was teaching at the college level, you know, and they show up, geez, shoulders slumped, you know, head hanging off their chest, it slouched down in a chair. Geez, you know, what's up with you, dude? I uh, just got up on the wrong side of bed this morning. And I used to tell them, why don't you go back to bed and get up once again? I don't care if you got a headache, a hangover, a stomach ache, get out of bed, pull your shoulders back, hold your head up high, put a smile on your face, a spring in your step. You know what? By nine o'clock, you're going to start feeling a whole lot better rather than perpetuating how you feel the instant you got out of bed. Change that. Change it by how you can act your way into new feelings. We often just get hung up on, well, I don't feel like it. I don't feel good. Well, act your way into new feelings. Well, let me go on here. Andrea says, um, no questions. You guys may want to add a testimonial to your website i just want to tell dan i really appreciate his book i'm 30 years old i've been working for a very well-known and respected company for five years was scared to death to leave but i felt physically ill every morning before i went to work i read dan's book got the courage i needed to create a new resume and put myself out there well because of the guidance from god and dan i had an offer from boy there's a phrase i like from god and dan the advice you got how about that i had an offer from a company i respected in less than a month and have been happily going to work for almost six months the summary i quit the old place was given a promotion more money a fabulous boss and best of all peace thanks again andrea well thanks for your note now here's another one i'm going to share i'm going to share this this is there there's no resolution on this yet that I know of. This is just fresh, but it's so poignant. I mean, it just breaks my heart to even read it. I'm going to leave out the name and the name of the company, which are here. The subject line of the email is, please help. My soul is being stripped away. That's how I feel anyway. I work for XYZ Company as a branch manager. I make loans, solicit, and deal with delinquencies all day. Occasionally, I have to repo something. My boss has informed me that this is no place for any kind of personal feelings or compassion. I've been told that this job comes before even my family. I finally hit the bottom the other day. I had to go and take the wedding bands off a young couple's hands after he lost his job and they couldn't make the payments. Yesterday, I started litigation to see if it's possible to repo a guy's prosthetic leg. I feel like my humanity is being eroded away, leaving nothing but a machine. It's affecting my home life to the point that I come home emotionally exhausted, cranky, short-tempered, and withdrawn. I've always said that if a job starts to come before my family, that it's time for a new job. The problem is that the job market here 
where I live is so stagnant that I'm terrified to leave. I was out of work for four months before this, and it's affected my self-esteem tremendously. Dan, I'm to the point where I'm almost having anxiety attacks at times. I've always dreamed of having my own business. I just want to know what God's perfect place is for me. I don't even know where to start. I feel so lost at times. I just read your 48 days. I'm hoping to save up enough to get the workbook. Your book has given me something I haven't had in a long time. That is hope. If you have any insights that I could use, I would love to hear from you. I just want to be happy and provide for my family, not get rich, but just be able to pay the bills and have a little extra to be able to do something we've always dreamed of. Please help me, Dan. A follow-up note. Just was This was just... Um, well, this was just a couple days later. Dan, I read your article. Oh, in Relevant Magazine. It's a hip-hop magazine out of Florida. I've had some articles in there recently. I'm the person that wrote to you a few days ago about having to repo the wedding rings and the prosthetic leg. I have now repossessed an eight-year-old little girl's motorized wheelchair. Please help me, Dan. I come home each afternoon weeping with what I've had to do that day. I can't take it much more. Now, with, with those, trust me, I mean, we follow up on those. He'll get every resource that I have, anything that we can do to help him. I mean, can you imagine that kind of a situation, a work situation that is stripping a person's soul away like that? Doesn't have to be that way. There are too many options. Trust me. Well, we'll transition into questions from you, the listeners here. This is Dan Meller, your host for... This segment of online radio, 48 Days Online Radio, if you've got a question, go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, submit your question there, either in writing or with a cool little button where you can just leave an audio question, either way is fine, we'll consider that for inclusion in an upcoming show. Well, let's go to the questions here. This is from Terry. Dan, after reading 48 Days and No More Mondays, I am laying out a clear plan for my future. A part of that plan is to obtain a telecommuting job where I'm able to set my own hours. My question is, if this is the only type of work I want to focus on and not the traditional work where I'm required to be in an office, should I state this on my resume prior to sending out to prospective employers? Thank you in advance for your input, for all you do to direct your audience to the work they love. Well, Terry, uh, I would encourage you to, to look for an and answer here rather than an either or i'm not sure that i would just blatantly put that out there in your resume because again what you want a resume to do is to initiate inquiries where somebody wants to talk to you it's in the talking to you that you can then define the particulars and i think it's really too early to do that if you are doing it in a resume what you need to do is send out the introduction letter that I lay out in job search plan and 48 days to the work you love, the introduction letter, then the cover letter and the resume, then do the follow-up because you want to talk to people. You want your initial information to just be so appealing that it whets the appetite of people who would be prospective employers. You want to talk to them. It's then in the talking to them that you can start to define the particulars of what you want to do. And that's fine. And what you're proposing is certainly fine. I mean, the employers today, many of them welcome the idea of you telecommuting um, so you don't take up space in their real estate where they have to pay for the coffee and the water that you drink and keep the lights on over your head and provide a cubicle. 
I mean, there's a lot of advantages to companies and you present it in that way after they are already thinking this is somebody we want on our team. I mean, everybody that I have working for me works remotely. I don't have anybody. I don't want anybody showing up here at eight o'clock in the morning. I don't want anybody popping into my workspace, you know, at 10 o'clock. I mean, I structure it in a way that suits me well. And that means that requires that everybody works from other locations. So certainly not an uncommon idea at all. Darcy from Reno says, Dan, I absolutely love your weekly podcast, all the valuable information you put forth to your listeners. As of late, I have been aware of my inventiveness and have so many ideas for consumer products. Do you know of companies that hire product development people? The ideas I have are pretty simple, like the as seen on TV type, not highly technological or mechanical. I would love to get my ideas out there without going the patent route. Already did that, and I do know about Stephen Key. One simple idea. I would like to work for someone or a company to get my ideas made if there are viable places to do that. What are your thoughts and advice? Darcy, this is, this is not a common kind of thing. I mean, a lot of people like to think of themselves as inventive and creative, but it, it's challenging to have a company hire you just based on the hope that you're going to come up with an idea that they have not thought of. So usually you have to have skills that are more tangible than that to get you into a corporate environment. So if you're involved in the marketing or advertising or sales department, and then you come up with an idea where things could be improved or even for a product that could be developed there, sure, that's fine. Now, you mentioned Stephen Key, and of course his book is One Simple Idea, and he talks about inventing ideas like you're talking about and taking those two companies. And Yeah, the door is open a little bit to do that. But there's still a lot of companies out here who absolutely are not interested in ideas you have, even if they're great ideas, because there's too many hoops to jump through in that kind of as a scenario. But for you to just have an opportunity to work for a company where you're just thinking up ideas. I mean, again, Stephen Key's book, One Simple Idea, is, is the best source I would recommend for companies that do have people like that on board. But you're talking about a company like a Procter & Gamble. Sure. I mean, they've got people sitting around who dream up Captain Crunch. And and really, in that example, what they did, I mean, I know this to be true, is what they did is they dreamed up this Captain Crunch character and the whole kind of marketing campaign that would go along with that, you know, and how they'd get little kids' attention and keep them captivated and so on. And once they had that all mapped out, then they thought, well, gee, we need to create some kind of goofy cereal to go with this. The cereal was an afterthought. So the whole idea was to have something that would garner the attention of kids and keep them, uh, keep them mesmerized, and it's Captain Crunch. No, I think it's pretty tough to do what you're talking about, to, get, to find a company that's just going to embrace you sitting around thinking about ideas. You have to have some other kind of tangible skills as a foot in the door. Jonathan from uh, Brooklyn, New York says, I'd like to respond to my fellow atheists. Now, a couple weeks ago, I had somebody who said, I'm an atheist. And in some of your books, it says that you want to make a commitment to God that you're going to do this in a certain period of time. And being an atheist, is there any point in me even getting your books or can I get past that and just to appreciate the principles? Well, I tried to answer that tactfully at the time. And that is up as one of my blogs, my response to that person. But here's somebody who says, I'd like to respond to my fellow atheist who could not buy your book because it asked him to make a promise to God. That put me off too for one second. 
but I wanted to read your book for the life-altering strategies inside. Now, believe me, I understand procrastination and defense mechanisms to avoid tough change. I'd like to ask that listener, are you sure your reluctance to make a commitment to God is not really a reluctance to commit in disguise? Perhaps you're really afraid of change, and that's understandable. Please don't cheat yourself out of a wonderful resource for a reason unrelated to the substance of Dan's books. Keep up the great work, Dan. Whatever your, wherever your inspiration comes from, you're a blessing from the universe. <laughs> well, I, I value that kind of input. I mean, I relate to people with a whole lot of faith perspectives. I mean, I, I do not have a cookie cutter plan for everybody under the sun. I uh, talk to people who are in different um, parts of their own path, their own seeking. And yes, I, I have a tagline on my email. If you've ever got an email from me, I mean, in the last couple of months at least, it, it says in there essentially that a lot of people use prayer as a socially acceptable way of procrastination and indecision. Now, that's pretty pointed. And I see people doing that. So you can use a faith perspective as an excuse for procrastination as well. But Jonathan, I appreciate your input here. That is really well stated that perhaps a unwillingness to commit is just simply a disguise for reluctance to commit. Now this comes and I'm going to to use the gentleman's name here because this is something that is becoming increasingly common. Referenced it at the outset of the show here. And uh, it's something that is becoming increasingly common in what I'm hearing from people. There are a whole lot of things that we do to categorize our behavior. And I'm increasingly alarmed with the things that I'm hearing from schools, academic institutions about how they're categorizing people's ability to learn, to fit in, to stay inside the lines and all of that. Uh, let, me, let me, I'm going to just, uh, let me, let me pull up Monday, Monday here. I got a couple of things I want to pull together here just in the next few seconds. And I'm going to go right into this very difficult question about bipolar disorder. So hang with me here. Be right back. Monday, Monday. Can't trust that day. Monday, Monday. All right, here's the question. Hi, Dan. This week I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and social anxiety disorder. I'm having trouble with my business ideas as well as other areas in my life. The past few months have been particularly difficult. Can you recommend any resources that may help those of us with mental health issues to work through the up and mostly downs to be successful? Many thanks. All right, diagnosed with bipolar disorder, social anxiety disorder. Now, let me just ask you who are listening. How many of you who are listening? Now, here's what I know. I know if you're listening to this, you are already pushing the edges of normal. (laughs) I mean, isn't that true? You're already resisting the confines of being normal in our society you're you're kind of on the edges of being weird already you're questioning the normal restraints 
of what work usually looks like. You may be resisting the job you have now where it requires you to be there at eight and out at five, you know, hour for lunch, two weeks vacation, those kind of restricting confines. You are probably already pushing the limit. How many of you think that if you were really tested, you would be diagnosed with bipolar disorder or social anxiety disorder or ADD or ADHD. Now I have been diagnosed, went through a battery of tests. I've gone through tons of things over the years and, and, and enjoy doing that just because of the kind of interesting results that we get. But yeah, I was told by a very competent counselor that with my tendencies to ADD, you know, I should never have a window within view of my working area, as an example, because I'm too easily distracted. I would never be able to focus on anything. Well, I have an office that has beautiful windows in it, a little waterfall right outside, a bird feeder. I see things happening all day long going on out there. You know, I totally rejected the information, but yes, I have to be able to live with my ADD, my ADHD. Well, how can you, the, the question is, here's how we're going to unpack this. And I'm going to be pretty brutal because we're talking about a radio segment here. So I'm going to handle in three minutes some things that may be offensive to some of you. How do you transform bipolar disorder from a problem into a strength? Is bipolar just simply a devastating disorder? Or is it perhaps a symptom of something else? Could it be a symptom of high levels of creativity and energy and something that we find in most people we consider geniuses? Now, would you like to know Thomas Edison, Albert Einstein were ridiculed by their grade school teachers as problem students because of their bipolar traits. I mean, Thomas Edison would you know, work for two hours and then he'd sleep for 30 minutes and he'd work for three hours and then he'd sleep for an hour. I mean, he had totally whacked personal schedule. It didn't fit him at all. Is he going to show up somewhere at eight o'clock and work till five and then go home and sleep eight hours and come back? Not a chance. We would have lost the thousands of inventions that he came up with. If we would have tried to trap that creative mind in a normal schedule because he had bipolar traits, Richard Branson, you ever heard that name? Poor little Richard Branson. We need to feel sorry for him. Well, he is bipolar and dyslexic. He has difficulty reading. And he's clearly diagnosed as bipolar. Yet he's a founder and CEO of the multi-billion dollar virgin empire. He found a way to make his bipolar disorder work for him. That is after he contemplated suicide. Now this is very open information from him. But he finally realized that what he struggled with his whole life in trying to fit in by suppressing his bipolar disorder, instead of doing that, he made a far more powerful choice. He broke out into the extraordinary, wild fortune, fame, and success that he's experienced. Now, the Human Genome Project says that bipolar disorder is genetic. That says probably about 10% of the general population has this gene, but almost, I mean, like 98% of geniuses, entrepreneurs, and artists 
do have that bipolar gene. Now, that includes most successful inventors, pioneers, self-made billionaires, rock stars, mystics, innovators, inventors. I mean, according to Fortune magazine, people who fit the bipolar profile are 300 times more likely to start their own company. See, I think the key is if you have been given this tag is not to take medicine and make yourself fit in, but to learn how to channel that creative energy that you have into taking, you know, intelligent risk, doing things that other people don't do. I mean, people who have this trait are brilliant risk takers. That's why they do the kind of things that we see from people like Da Vinci and Thomas Edison and Einstein and Richard Branson. But here's some other people who all have the bipolar temperament. John Lennon, Jerry Garcia, Bono from U2, Mick Jagger, Billy Idol, Ozzy Osbourne, Prince. I mean, just about every wildly successful rock and hip hop star on the planet, you can easily identify the bipolar tendencies in those people. Yeah, they have ups and downs. But there's also a whole lot of other people that fit in this category. Great politicians, charismatic leaders. Again, we've seen the traits, and these are documented. These are not my diagnosis by any means, but people like John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King Jr., Winston Churchill, Bill Clinton. I could go on and on with the people who have been diagnosed as having bipolar tendencies. Now, this is not foreign territory. I mean, I'm going to give you some resources here. You can become an expert on this, and you can waltz right through this and come out on the other side focusing and channeling these diagnoses that you've been given into doing extraordinary things that other and are going to leave people other people in the dust my own son jared with whom i just wrote the new book wisdom meets passion he had all the diagnoses we've been talking about so far add adhd bipolar yes diagnosis bipolar social anxiety disorder yes he was put on heavy medication he was about 17 years old it put him in such a zombie state, it totally alarmed his mother and I. And we said, there is no way in the world we're going to have our child drugged and left in this state. We took him off everything totally. No, I'm not, please hear me here. I'm not doing a medical diagnosis here. There are times when drugs are absolutely essential. Thank goodness we have the psychotropic drugs that we have access to. But I'm saying they are overused so dramatically. It is crazy. One of the fine, fine, competent, high-level counselors that we have had Jared work with over the years in his growing up times. Now, Jared at this point is 34 years old, and he lives an extraordinary life. Believe me, there's nothing normal about the life that he lives. He lives in areas where he thrives on the danger involved, doing innovative, creative, nutso kind of things that have never been done before, and he gets paid extremely well for doing those things. And he lives a life where he gets up every morning feeling like he's living a dream. They live in an Indian ocean in Kenya. Get up, walk out into the ocean with their new little baby, feed the monkeys, go to breakfast somewhere. I mean, starts his day. I mean, he loves the life he's living. And one of his high-level counselors years ago said, Jared is the most functional bipolar she's ever met. And she is amazed at what he's done. And He's done that with with no drugs, but he he would never be able to function in 
any sense of normality, come back to the United States, get a job at a company and go there eight to five. It would just wouldn't work. He'd sabotage that in a heartbeat. You know, he'd have all kinds of physical maladies and would need to be on drugs to cope with trying to be normal. Here's a piece. I'm going to read you a short piece. This comes out of one of the resources that I recommend. This is the war of art by Stephen Pressfield. It's a little paperback book. Highly recommend that you get it. Highly recommend it for anybody who's artistic, but certainly if you've been diagnosed with bipolar, I want to, I'm going to read this to you again. This is one opinion. I want you to take it as such, but I'm going to read it in the way that he writes this Stephen Pressfield, the war of art. Do you regularly ingest any substance controlled or otherwise whose aim is the alleviation of depression, anxiety, etc.? I offer the following experience. I once worked as a writer for a big New York ad agency. Our boss used to tell us, invent a disease. Come up with a disease, he said, and we can sell the cure. Attention deficit disorder, seasonal effect disorder, social anxiety disorder. These aren't diseases. These are marketing ploys. Doctors didn't discover them. Copywriters did. Marketing departments did. Drug companies did. Depression and anxiety may be real, but they can also be resistance. When we drug ourselves to blot out our soul's call, we are being good Americans and exemplary consumers. We're doing exactly what TV commercials and pop materialist culture have been brainwashing us to do from birth. Instead of applying self-knowledge, self-discipline, delayed gratification, and hard work, we simply consume a product. End quote. All right, let me give you some resources. And this is, I'm spending more time on this than usual because this is such a common, I mean, I'm appalled at the number of emails that we're getting here at 48 Days that talk about, I've been diagnosed bipolar, I've been diagnosed social anxiety disorder. Boy, that's a hot one right now. Social anxiety disorder. I mean, now really, what could that include? If you've got a 10-year-old and he's afraid of being bullied by the big kid down the block, Wow, maybe he has social anxiety disorder. Or maybe he has a realistic fear about getting a crap beat out of him. We need to do something to address that. I mean, there's so many people that are walking away from their genius, blunting it through drugs, instead of addressing it head on and saying, how can I be absolutely great in this area? How can I find one area of greatness and knock it out of the park People will stand back in awe because I didn't blunt that, but hit it head on. Here's some books that I'm going to give you. Now, I'll put these in the show notes because again, there's no way to keep track of this. If you've got a pencil and paper handy, that's fine. But here's some of the books that I have used, that Joanna and I have used in dealing with this, both in our children and certainly in clientele that I've had the pleasure of working with over the years. I mean, I love working with people who come in and say, Hey, I'm 52 years old. Just found out I'm ADD. Oh, really? Well, cool. Maybe that explains why you've had such a checkered past in your work history. But guess what? We can map out the next 20 years of your life to have you do more than you ever dreamed of doing. Here's some books that deal with bipolar disorder and social anxiety disorder. Driven to Distraction by Dr. Edward Hollowell. That's one of the old classics, Driven to Distraction. Then he followed up a couple years later with Answers to Distraction. Scattered by Gabor Mate, also MD. Dr. Thomas Whitman, Christian psychologist, PhD, adult ADD. One of the best books out there. When Joanne started reading that, she started weeping because she recognized in 
Jared, our child, what Thomas was talking about and how Jared felt. Acquainted with the Night. Acquainted with the Night by Paul Rayburn. I love that book. Here's another one that I absolutely love by Kay Redfield, Touched with Fire. Touched with Fire. She's a psychiatrist and she wrote a book that it has to do with dealing with bipolar disorder. Touched with Fire. And then one by Garrett Laporto, The Da Vinci Method. Now, I've, I've got that one. You know, I think I've got that one in a PDF format. And I will shoot that out to you, the person who asked this question. I'll just send that over to you. The Da Vinci Method. How do you deal with that? Again, thank you so much for your question. I've kept you anonymous, and rightfully so, because because your question, not because you need to hang your head in shame, but because your question is so attuned to the same question that hundreds of others listening are asking themselves. How do I deal with the fact that I'm ADHD? How do I deal with the fact that I've got one of these terms that's been hung on me? But the question is, you know, not what medication should I go run? How do I deal with it? How do I use that to my advantage rather than my disadvantage? Well, we are going to move on. Dan Miller, your host here on 48 Days Online Radio. Hey, those are the kind of things we're dealing with. Real life questions having to do with our work and life effectiveness. How to do, how to find or create work that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. If you get a question, go to the48days.com link. Click on the podcast. You can see a little space jump up there where you can either write out your question or use the little audio button to just give me an audio question. Be happy to include that in an upcoming show. Well, let's go on, grab some others here. Forrest from Gray, Texas says, I heard you talk about your new diet that avoids white flour and the research you did on the topic. Did reading the four hour body play any role in your decision? Also, I believe you said your smoothie recipe was online, but I have not found any info on it or any Dan Miller breakfast recipes. Uh, Thanks for your time, Forrest. Well, (laughs) you know, this has been a funny area for me because I am am absolutely worthless in the kitchen. I mean, if Joanne is out of town, I don't even have my cup of tea in the morning because I don't know how she makes it so that it's just right for me. I mean, I'm really pathetic in the kitchen. So I am by no means a cook a dietitian, but I did some serious research as a result of some old, some of my own digestive and health challenges early this year. And it's, it's been like rebooting my computer. Some of the things that I've done, one of those, one of those was to read the book wheat belly by Dr. William Davis. Now again, I'll put this in the show notes, but it's wheat belly. It's a very popular book and it talks about the way that Wheat is in so much of what we eat today. I mean, think about it. It's in so much of what we eat. And yet the wheat that we're using has been so genetically altered that it doesn't have the nutritional value like what your grandfather raised out in the farm. Yet you've been totally modified. It's been modified for mass production rather than for nutritional value. So I eliminated wheat. Well, that means sandwiches. I mean, bread of any kind. Uh, so you don't go to McDonald's, Wendy's, you don't get, but, but in addition to, when you think about it, bread packages a whole lot of other crappy food. So, you know, no sandwiches, no muffins, biscuits, no cake, can uh, cookies, I mean, all those kind of things. So I just eliminated that. Well, that probably has a whole lot of side benefits in addition to just eliminating the wheat and gluten in there. But 
that's certainly been a major part of what I did. The other thing is the smoothies that I have, and I won't bore you with the contents, but they're primarily things I get at Whole Foods, but I make my smoothie every single morning. I do that myself. Hey, I do that in the kitchen. I can use the blender. I put in the things, the ingredients that I've been instructed to do. So I do that myself, and it's a wonderful way to start the day, and I appreciate it. I did not, uh, really the four-hour body, that's another Tim Ferriss book who wrote four-hour work week uh, a couple years ago with the four-hour body. No, that didn't really affect me much. Uh, The primary book would have been the wheat belly, and then just talking to nutritionists, and people who were the, the doctor I go to is a very holistic doctor. He helped me a lot and uh, came up with my smoothie. So, again, I'm not doing, you know, major things. I mean, we go out to eat every day, so it's not difficult. There are some things that I'm enjoying more now, like sushi, than I ever did before uh, because, uh, because of some of those health changes that I've made. Well, hey, thanks for your question. Another one here, kind of uh, we got some uh, diet questions here as well. And this comes from Mike in Columbus, Georgia. You rock. I haven't missed a podcast in a year plus. I give you the credit for the 16 plus books I've either listened to or read this year, which more than triples the amount I had read in my adult life. Hey, that's cool. What a, what a cool thing to do, Mike. I commend you on that. I'm wrapping up my first year of having real goals in the seven life areas with much success. One notable achievement would be increasing my salary 30% within six months of setting my goals. Ooh, awesome. Thank you for your motivating words and willingness to speak candidly on difficult issues. Stay bold. Well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate your affirmation in that. And then he asked, Mike asked as well, I'm very interested in your new diet. Where can I get more info? I need a simple plan in order to be successful in this area as you are a trusted source of information. Well, again, I'll have that in the show notes, my smoothie recipe, the book that I used a lot in making the changes that I've made. And yes, I, I'm, I'm very intolerant of not feeling well physically. So when someone comments in the morning, they see a smile on my face every time I come around. I feel good. I mean, I wake up, I haven't used an alarm clock in 30 years, I guess. I mean, it doesn't matter if I... If I have an appointment, I mean, I just, I haven't used an alarm clock. I go to bed at a reasonable time. I wake up when I'm rested and I get up ready to go and start the day. I love the early morning part of the day. And, but I, but I love having energy. I am intolerant of feeling poorly when I see people who have sacrificed their health through just making poor day-to-day choices. And now they're lethargic. They're falling asleep. They have aches and pains. They can't get up out of a chair without their knees breaking. I think, oh my goodness, you know, what if you gave the same kind of attention to that part of your life, success in that area, as you have tried to do in your career? I mean, success is not about just one area of our life. That's why in 48 days, I talk about seven different areas of life. I want success in all of those. Trust me. Well, Candace from Virginia says, Dan, I love your podcast. I work full-time for the federal government and part-time as a realtor. This year, I've made $70,000 extra in real estate. Real estate is linear, and we'd like to generate some passive income by starting a van pool business. In the last two years, the D.C. area has become saturated. We want to know how we could separate ourselves by using the unique selling proposition method, USP. We've thought about creating a rewards program by giving the riders free gas or discounted payment for one month. We've also considered free Wi-Fi. We will have to purchase a 15-passenger van and we'll use some of the extra money I've earned to pay for it since we want to have a little, little to no debt. The riders usually pay a flat fee month 
the monthly payment for the van itself, which includes the insurance and maintenance, but it does not cover the cost of gas. Wow. You know, when what you've described here, you've described real estate. You made $70,000 in that on the side this year already. And now you're talking about starting a van pool business. To me, you're describing a big shovel and a little shovel. Real estate is a big shovel. When you can do deals like that and in nine months create $70,000, what do you think it's going to take with a van pool business, taking care of every little detail, hoping gas prices don't go up, hoping people pay on time, hoping you don't have accidents, hoping you can get insurance to cover that and getting nickels and dimes from people. Man, to me, that's a little shovel. I mean, to me, it sounds like you're, you're, you're going to use your big shovel and find a, a little business where you can lose the money you made in your big shovel. I think if you, with the things you're describing already, you're on a right track there. I would expand and continue what you're doing in real estate rather than, and you talk about that being linear. Yes, it is. But if you make enough money, you can turn the money itself into passive income. But rather than some, having some little business where there's some kind of continuing funds, but it's very small dollars, I'd stick with what you've got as a big shovel. Steve from Pasadena says, Dan, I love your show. Could you tell us more about your desk chair? Who made it? Where can I get one for myself? Also, do you have any recommendations for any of the new exercise desks that are on the market? Uh, my, my chair, and this is one of the uncompromising parts of my workspace. Uncompromising. I mean, I get a massage every Friday. I have a certain chair. My work space is set up in a certain way. I listen to certain kinds of music. My chair is a human scale freedom chair. And I'll put that in the show notes. That's the name of it. Human scale freedom chair. You can look that up for yourself. Yeah, it's not cheap, but I consider it one of the best investments I ever made. I mean, if I had to uh, do without a car, I'd probably do without a car before I would do without the kind of chair that I sit in. Again, this is my workspace. I mean, as for many of you, you sit in a chair all day long. Why would you sit in a $30 chair to do your best work? I mean, get the absolute best chair on the face of the planet. Now, there have been a whole lot of improvements made since I got mine probably six or seven years ago. But I paid about $800 for mine, as I recall. And when you amortize that out, I mean, it's perfect in every way, like the day I purchased it. But with what it does for me in terms of ergonomic support, I mean, it is amazing. So make sure you don't scrimp there. Get something that you think is the absolute best is my recommendation. Travis from Kansas says, I work a job, day job, 50 to 53 hours a week. That is not a good fit for me. The hours and the general mindset of the company do not enrich my life, although the pay and benefits are fantastic. Almost every weekend I travel to car shows from my home in Kansas to as far away as Austin, Texas or Chicago, taking photos, posting them online, selling some to magazines and generally losing money on what's an expensive hobby. I have 38,000 images on my site, all for sale, and just got my 10th magazine appearance and first cover, but I still can't break even financially on it. My dream would be to travel the company, country exploring everywhere I go, meeting the people that have these incredible cars and documenting them and their stories. How do I make this leap? My site is royboyproductions.smugmug.com, which I went there and looked there. Cool stuff. I love your photos. Man, I love the photos that you've got up there, Travis. Now, here's the deal. I'm not one to just burn the bridge. You talk about a, a job that, you know, is okay. You're not thrilled about it, but the pay and the benefits are fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying you have the responsibility to figure out how can you duplicate or increase that income if you're going to 
just start taking pictures of cars. Now, can it be done? Yes, it, it can be done, but you have to be pretty creative to make this happen. Now, I want to refer you to a client of mine from a couple years ago. His name is Robert Kibbe. He lives in Ames, Iowa. Robert Kibbe. His site is themusclecarplace.com. Check that out. He's done what you're talking about. He, tra- he came through Nashville just a couple months ago. We met up for lunch because he was here for a car show where he's here taking pictures. He writes articles for different websites and magazines. He has people post their cars that are for sale on his site. He has a podcast where he has advertisers. I mean, he's done exactly what you're talking about doing. Now, it wasn't an easy transition. It took him longer than what he thought to do that. But talk to Robert. Check out what he's doing. There's certainly a lot of other people out there that have done that. I mean, I, I have an Amish calendar in my here in the sanctuary and every year it has 12 beautiful pictures from Amish country up in Ohio. Well, every September I turn the page, boom, there's an order form for the next year. So the, the guy has turned that into recurring revenue. I would do the same thing with a, with cool car pictures, man, I'd love to have a calendar like that. So there are ways you can build that, but th- those take time. Just create a business plan for what you want to do. But in the meantime, Also, don't be too quick to force what you have as a hobby into your only means of income generation. It may need to stay a hobby and have you enjoy it as such. Well, hey, as always, the time has flown by. I hope you've gotten involved in the 48days.net site that we've got going there. And got some cool things happening there where other people just like you are getting involved, signing up for the Wisdom Meets Passion Cruise. We got coming up in February. We're going to have a blast on that, unpacking ideas just like this and more. And we'll be talking about how you can, just like other people you're hearing here, how you can find or create work that is meaningful, fulfilling, productive, and profitable. That's what we want you to do. Make sure that you're doing that. Don't settle for less. Life is too short. Then check us out. Check out the upcoming cruise in February. We're going to have a blast. A whole week at sea to brainstorm on ideas like this. If you don't come back from that week with pages full of ideas, things you can implement to go find or produce work that is fulfilling, productive, and profitable, hey, I'll swim back from Puerto Rico on the side of the boat. Guaranteed. Join us for that. <laughs>